You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Thank you for all the feedback. I will get back to you. Those who've left email messages, telephone calls... I will get back to you. Now, anarchism. No, not Trump's America. That's chaos. Anarchy is order. Government is chaos. How can I say that? Well, the word anarchos means without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You look at the reasons individuals or small groups can exercise, exercise, can, um, exercise influence over the lives of millions and it's very simple, it's inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, that's share power, and the struggle to hold wealth in common. Very simple concepts. Without those in, without inequalities in power and wealth, you have a much more sane society. Very simple concept. So if you are involved in the struggle to devolve power and share wealth, I've got some bad news for you. You've got the mark of Cain on your forehead, the A in a circle. You're an anarchist. Sorry to tell you this, but that's the way life is. Now, I've been fascinated, fascinated in the last week, and I've been fascinated in the way that people have analysed what's been happening in the US of A. US of A, US of A, as they say. Now, look, Trump is a figurehead. Let's not forget that. Now, I like to uh, draw historical analogies. And uh, today I'm going to talk about the Australian connection in the assault on the White House. The Australian connection in 1804 and the Australian connection in 2021. Because both were instrumental in those attacks. In 1804, it could have been 1806, I've got my figures a little bit uh, bamboozled here, the British forces came out of Canada and burnt Washington to the ground. And who were the crack troops in the British forces? They were those troops who were involved in the Rum Rebellion in Sydney in the early 19th century. Those British troops 
who were in Australia, who were involved in the Rum Rebellion, which saw the uh, removal of the uh, governor, and power shift to the hands of the officers in the Rum Rebellion, were sent to Canada. And they were used as the stormtroopers to storm the White House. So what's 1804 got to do with 2021? Let's not forget that the main reason for the assault on the White House is Fox News and Mr Murdoch. For over 20 years, for over 20 years, Fox News, both in Australia and the US of A, has laid the groundwork for the rise and rise of fascist elements in our society. It has laid that groundwork. It has cultivated human beings and turned them into into people who have no capacity to understand anything outside their own supposed needs. Fox News is the problem. Murdoch is the problem. And why did they pursue that poli- those policies over two decades? And why do they continue to pursue those policies which allow the acting Prime Minister, Mr McCormack, to make outrageous statements over and over again? Remember, he is the Prime Minister of this country, whether you like it or not. It's because of people like Murdoch who have set an agenda which was designed to increase the number of people which accessed their news outlets so they could sell advertising to maximise the profit of the Murdoch empire. When James Murdoch walked away a year ago from the Murdoch empire, he made that very same analysis. So Trump basically is somebody who was actually able to use that what had occurred in the Murdoch media in the USA and to a lesser extreme degree in this country to their own personal advantage. Let's not forget that if you want to point the finger at somebody regarding the White House uh, riots, I won't call it insurrection because it wasn't an insurrection, the fact is that that finger points directly at the Murdoch media. And if you want to look at the rise and rise of rabid racist elements in our own society, just look at the editorial policy of the Murdoch media in Australia, which owns over 70% of this country's media outlets. And if you think, I've forgotten, there is social media, let's not forget that the agenda, the political, social and cultural agenda which is set every day in this country continues to come from the mastheads of the legacy media. And with the incorporation of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald into the Channel 9 network, we have seen what little reformist opinion that was around disappear, dissipate. Now, Another thing which I find extremely uh, amusing, and it is amusing, is the fact that everybody's talking about censorship when Mr. Trump was removed from Twitter. Now, the first thing I'd like to point out is that Twitter 
allowed Mr Trump to continue to use the platform for over four years because he had 88 million followers. And that means a lot of advertising revenue and a lot of profit for Twitter. And for Twitter to actually ban him 10 days before the end of his presidency highlights the fact that they made a commercial decision to allow him to use their platform. This is not a matter of censorship. Twitter, Facebook, social media, they're private companies. Now, public interest before corporate interest, that little little group I'm involved in, you know, were banned from Facebook 18 months ago. Who knows why? But it is a privately owned platform. Privately owned platforms set rules. And when you use those platforms, whether you know it or not, you have agreed to follow those rules. And obviously, if you don't follow those rules, your accounts are suspended. And we see this over and over and over again. This is not censorship. This is a private organisation, a privately owned organisation, a capitalist organisation, an organisation for private investment and private profit, which is there, you know, which sets the agenda, which gives people a platform and allows them to continue their hateful visions. That's it. It's not censorship. Censorship is when the government, as we see over and over again, refuses you to have your views expounded. Censorship is when we see the corporate-owned media, and to a lesser degree the government guild at ABC, refuse to have people with alternative views on their platforms. That's censorship. That's censorship. So to call the suspension of Mr Trump's account on Twitter censorship is a load of garbage. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Satellite. Isn't it fascinating? We've moved from a period of manufacturing consent, and uh, if you look at Chomsky's book, uh, Manufacturing Consent, it outlines how we as a so-called democratic societies in the West have manufactured a consensus which is not based on uh, reality, but which is based on the idea of keeping those who exercise power and have wealth in a position of authority. That's what the consensus is. The consensus is that deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation is good for the world. When in reality, it's only good for that small percentage of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. But now, people tell me we've moved from a period of manufacturing consent to manufacturing reality. Well, I've got a very, very, very sad news for you. Manufacturing reality is a common human pastime which stretches to the beginning of time, which stretches to the beginning of human beings coming together as animals. It is a cultural element. The difference is that what we have seen is with manufactured reality, 
is that as power becomes more concentrated and as technology becomes more centralised, we have seen manufactured reality become a much more significant component of people's lives. Now, I'll go back a little while. Let's look at Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany, which is National Socialism, was built on the idea of a manufactured reality which was based on the idea that the Jews were responsible for everything, everything that could go wrong. And if they were eliminated from society, things would be good again. Simple concept. But that concept may have been the opinion of a small percentage of the German population at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century, but the reality is that that manufactured reality was created through the advent of technology, especially through the advent of film. And if you look at Nazi propaganda, they were experts in cobbling together newsreels and films which highlighted the superiority of the German race compared to everybody in the world. And generation after generation was inundated in that propaganda. And a small percentage of the population became a significant percentage of the population. And that manufactured reality obviously led not just to World War II and the death of 50 million people, but led to the industrial murder of Jews, gypsies, communists, anarchists, homosexuals, people with disability. And I was listening, and you may find this a bit funny or unusual, to a statement put out by Arnie Schwarzenegger, I think 24, 48 hours ago, about the slow decline in cultural norms where he talks about his experience of being born in 1947 to a father, Austrian father, who had been involved in the atrocities of World War II, the effect it had on him as a child and the effect it had on his whole family and how incrementally over time people like his father were basically brainwashed into believing that manufactured reality. Now let's move to the 21st century. The 21st century has seen the emergence of a new technology. And that technology is privately owned in the majority of the the world. And that technology is based on the building of platforms which allow ideas to be shared by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, almost instantaneously. So what we see is the creation of a new manufactured reality, a reality which is based on building blocks which are based on so-called alternative facts. Facts no longer 
matter. I mean, it does. It doesn't matter that E equals M C square, that gravity exists, that the Earth is round, that there are certain scientific baselines as far as life on Earth is concerned. Facts are irrelevant. What you need to do is find alternative facts, which is a tautology, obviously, an oxymoron, but alternative facts to build a new manufactured reality. So when you see thousands of people storming the White House, not only do you say to yourself, how come they're allowed to storm the White House? When we saw during the Black Lives Movement protests the use of the National Guard around the country, the use of rubber bullets, the use of water cannons, while this demonstration, which had been building up in Washington, D.C., as a result of the president and his supporters' uh, incitement, and was incitement, no National Guard. A few poorly armed police to keep the mobs at bay. And even many of the uh, the activities of those poorly armed police is questionable as they let people into the, uh, the White House. So not only is it a matter of a manufactured reality, it's a matter of a fifth column within the so-called security elements in American society who accept that manufactured reality. So new technology brings new forms of organisation. It allowed it allows people with a large following to bypass the traditional media. Whether that's a positive or negative, to a significant degree, depends on the message which has been put out. And if that message is not based on fact, and there are facts, there aren't alternative facts. There are, there are, there's opinion and there's facts. Now, I've got an opinion. I'm giving you an opinion. But there are facts which I can't change. There are things that have happened, that occur in the world that I cannot change. There are neutrons, there are protons, there are electrons. There's rules of physics. There's consequences. So it doesn't matter what your manufactured reality is. It doesn't matter how many alternative facts you've used as building blocks to build your manufactured reality, let's say about coronavirus, the reality is that it cannot contain that threat. And that's why we see so much damage done by coronavirus in the United States of America, say, compared to many other places on the, uh, on the planet. And to see Australian politicians not slap down not slapped down by the acting Prime Minister because of their ridiculous, fake analysis and news is extraordinary because speech has consequences. I'll give you an example, another example. 
I think it was 1989 or 1990, we had the genocide in Rwanda. Now, in Rwanda, there'd been a long struggle between the Hutu majority and the Tutsi minority. But the difference was in the 1980s is there were radio stations in Rwanda which increased the rhetoric regarding eliminating your, your uh, Tutsi neighbour. And what happened in the space of six weeks is we saw over 900,000 people. This was not 200 years ago, but you know, less than 30 years ago, over 900,000 people murdered in the most brutal ways with machetes and knives because of that manufactured reality which had occurred before that genocide. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Now, I'm broadcasting on a community radio station via the community radio network across this country. I have a legal responsibility as well as a moral and ethical responsibility. I am responsible for what I say. I am responsible for the consequences. When people like Mr Trump and Mr Kelly here in Australia and Mr McCormack, the acting Prime Minister, talk about freedom of speech without consequences, they're talking through their arsehole. Because there are always consequences. I mean, I have had to pay a price for being a radical in this country. I've paid a personal price. I'm not going to bore you with that story. I may bore you one day with it, but not now. But there is a price to pay. And it's the same if you're going to involve yourself in hate speech and berate people because of their disability or their racial origins or their gender or their their, uh, sexual orientation or the language they speak or their cultural background, well, then you, you are responsible for those consequences. And for Mr Trump to say, oh, I didn't know that words kind of, you know, create situations, highlights the idiocy of this situation. So, the 21st century, the most technologically advanced century in the human history, the century of instant communication, the century of mass loneliness, the century of mass anxiety, mass depression. Social media, technological innovation, allowing technological innovation to be dominated by privately owned corporations, which are only interested in creating a profit. Organisations like Fox Media, Murdoch's little baby. Ka-ching, 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 Mr Murdoch, and all the money that's been pouring in their pockets over the last 20 years. Somehow they've escaped the blowtorch for their responsibility, for their creation of opinions amongst millions of people around the world which are based on a manufactured reality which is used to shock people in order for people to be drawn towards those platforms in order that they can be their data can be used as a mechanism by which to maximize their profits what a situation and again this is something we've been talking about for decades 
the centralization of power and having the ability to disseminate information in a centralized, privately owned platform or a platform which is totally governed by the state allows this manufactured reality to grow and grow. And then when you have an economic system which beneath all this, an economic system which is based on the creation of ever-increasing profits, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and personal costs, then you have a perfect storm. People talked about the perfect storm at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 as far as forest fires was concerned, as far as the climate emergency was concerned. It all came together at the same time. We had significant damage in this country. It's the same with manufactured reality. We now have a perfect storm because we have allowed privately owned corporations to dominate technological change because they only have one mantra. There is only one mantra in a capitalist society and especially in a capitalist society where deregulation has been held to be a religious belief by political elements in our society, by those who currently exercise power. It's almost the holy grail, deregulation. Keep the state out of affairs. If the state theoretically, and this is theoretically, is there to protect the interests of the people they represent, to provide security then why do we allow privately owned organisations to dominate the economy whose sole mantra is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders? No wonder so many people shunt their lives into a manufactured reality, sitting at home, waiting for work, thinking, who can I blame? Is it the other? Is it the other? Think about it. I mean, manufactured reality has been part and parcel of the Australian experience since colonisation began in 1788. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au We've had a little bit of trouble with our podcasts the last few weeks, but they will be up within the next week or so. Uh, We've got three or four podcasts that need to go up. They will be up. You'll be able to access them, and uh, obviously you can use them to your heart's content because this is a community radio station. No cost. Just access them. No advertising. Access them. All right, let's move on. Now, I have a dream. No, no, not winning Tatsalotto. That's a nightmare. I have a dream. It's very simple. I would like to see, and this is my personal opinion, P-E-R-S-O-N-A-L, designated as National... Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Freedom Fighters Day. That's a long word, isn't it? 
long statement, National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Freedom Fighters Day. Now, I talked about manufactured reality. Let's look at the manufactured reality that this country is based on. And this is a manufactured reality which was fed to us through our mother's milk. And the older you are, the more of that garbage we, 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 uh, we, we uh, suckled. And if you weren't, if you were bottle fed, it was put in your milk bottle. All right. First manufactured reality is that the colonisation process was a walk in the park, that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islands did not resist colonisation. And if you look at all the accounts of the 19th century and most of the 20th century, it was about this benign presence on Australian soil by the British authorities. Well, the reality was very different. It was so horrific that it needed to be expunged from public memory. Because the reality was a reality which was based on murder, theft, dispossession. So in order to justify that reality, we created the legal fiction of terra nullis. Well, in every other colonised British part of the world, the authorities signed treaties obviously unequal in many cases, with the original inhabitants. In Australia, we didn't go down that path because as far as we were concerned, although people had lived continuously on this land for over six, for over 2,000 generations, 60,000 years, as far as we were concerned, it belonged to no one. And that legal fiction was incorporated in this country's constitutional arrangements. Manufactured reality. Nothing more, nothing less. And it wasn't until 1992 that the High Court of Australia, in the Mabo decision of the 3rd of June 1992, found that the original inhabitants had rights to land in law because of their prior occupation of this land if that ownership had not been extinguished. So obviously native title had limitations, but the, what it did is remove the legal fiction that this land belonged to no one. This is the manufactured reality that we lived for for over 200 years, 1788 to 1992, that's 204 years. And then since 1992 to 2021, as a society, we have done everything we can to ensure we don't acknowledge the past we don't move in the direction of reconciliation. We don't talk about compensation. We don't even mention the word treaty. So to me, when I see thousands of people on the 26th of January protesting against Australia, I'm thinking, well, fair enough. I've been doing that for the last 40 years. And so have many other radical activists have been doing that for a long time. And we've equated Australia a little bit like this. You know, this is a simple analogy. If anybody talks to you, if you know, if you're not going to celebrate on Australia, irrespective of the push which has been made 
by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation through its various manifestations, Channel you know, 34, Channel 3, and the list goes on and on, about trying to make it an inclusive day. How would you feel if the Japanese Imperial Forces, you know, that's the fascist organisation which ran Japan during the Second World before the Second World War, the Japanese Imperial Forces successfully invaded Australia and colonised Australia and, what, 90 years later, we would, we would be celebrating the birth of this new country on the day that that colonisation process began, the murder, the dispossession began. Obviously, if you're a descendant of those people, you'd be a little bit pissed off. You may even sabotage it. So think about how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders feel when they see us celebrating our achievements as a people on that very day. And although a significant proportion of Australians, about 25 to 30%, think it's inappropriate, we still have a significant proportion that thinks it's appropriate. Now, what I think we need to do is we need to establish another day. And the Tanaminaway Mōbōhina Commemoration Committee, which was initially formed in 2006, had one slogan, lest we forget. And people were very upset. They thought, you've stolen that from the you know, Anzac Day. Now, Anzac Day is a day in which Australians remember the sacrifices which were made by Australians, mainly in overseas wars. There is no acknowledgement to the frontier wars in this country, which continued and can continue in 2021. Wars that never ended. Everybody talks about the ceasefire between North and South Korea. We've got the same situation here. No treaty was ever entered into, no discussion into treaty. And when the Uluru Statement from the Heart made a very, very concerted effort to put forward you know, a few recommendations, they were totally ignored, ostracised, pushed aside, laughed at. I mean, concept like acknowledging the past, doing a treaty. So when we formed the Tanaminaway Mōbōhina Commemoration Committee, we made a number of very practical decisions. The first one was we wanted a significant monument established of the frontier wars in a major capital city. And the reason we chose Tanaminaway Mōbōhina was very simple. They weren't poisoned. They weren't killed by smallpox encrusted blankets. They weren't chopped into pieces by cutlasses and swords. They weren't shot in the back. They weren't starved to death. They were publicly executed on the 20th of January 1842 for the heinous crime of resisting white colonisation. What was their story? They were the survivors of the 33-year wars which occurred in Tasmania between 1803 and 1836, which saw a vibrant population which had lived in Tasmania for over 25,000 years, 
reduced from about 20,000 to a handful of people. A war of extinction. Tanaminiwe came from the Northwest Tribes. Morboyhina came from Ben Lomond. They were survivors of that war. At the end of the war in 1830s, George Augustus Robinson was given the task of rounding up the remnants, the survivors of that 30 years war, and exiling them to Flinders Island in Bass Strait. And I think by 1836, there were less than 300 survivors who were sent to Flinders Island. And by 1839, there were only 81 left because of disease which was rampant on the island. And 17 of those 81 were brought across to Melbourne, which was then part of New South Wales, to civilise the Victorian blacks by George Augustus Robertson, who offered his services to the New South Wales government, saying the removal of the indigenous population in Tasmania doubled the price of real estate within a few years, for which he was handsomely rewarded with a thousand pounds and grants of land. So when these 17 arrived with Robertson and his crew in 1839, in February 1839 in Melbourne, they had a dialogue with the Indigenous Australians. Within a few years, the government had lost interest and stopped their rations. And five of them, Tanaminaway, Planobina, Putirana, Traganini and Morboyhina, Went, in, went bush. And in those days to go bush was to go to Dandenong, the Mornington Peninsula. That's where bush was. In 1841, there were about 8,000 people who inhabited Melbourne and many of the squatters had fanned across large tracts of Victoria. And they began an armed struggle, not an armed struggle based on the brutality which they had faced, but armed struggle which revolved around raiding squatters' camps, removing supplies, sparing the people involved in those camps to allow them to go back to Melbourne and burning down those camps in order to liberate the area. And for a short period of time, local Aboriginal people were also involved in that struggle with them. But as the struggle continued over the next six to eight weeks, we found the lure of guns and large rewards for some Aboriginal people become trackers for those involved in the hunt for these five. Now, this is a great story. Even if you didn't look at the... You know, the legal history. This is a great story. It's a story of love. It's compassion. It's aggression. It's resistance. I mean, Planobina and Tanaminoe were married under the laws of the land, <laughs> the British laws of the land. Husband and wife. Planobina and Tanaminoe, sorry. Planobina and Tanaminoe. Traganini and Morbohina were involved in a relationship. 
Now, eventually, on the 20th of November, 1842, while sleeping in their camp, surrounded by 50, 60 people armed with rifles who shot into that camp, miraculously, the five escaped any injury. They were arrested, brought across to Melbourne, tried on the 20th of December, 1841, found guilty. Two of them were found, the two men, Tanaminawe and Morbohina, were found guilty. But the jury made a recommendation that their life be spared because of the unusual circumstances they faced as survivors of the genocide in Tasmania. And the three women were released into the care of George Augustus Robinson. They were executed at the site of the old Melbourne jail, the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street, on the 20th of January, 1842. Publicly executed for resisting white colonisation to act as an example to the Victorian blacks of what would occur to them if they resisted the colonisation process, irrespective of the brutality which has been heaped on the original inhabitants by the colonisers, both officially and unofficially. So after a long struggle, which went over a decade, and I must admit that without the assistance of Cathy Oak, the Greens councillor, initially the only Greens councillor on the Melbourne City Council, we would never have got to the situation of getting the Melbourne City Council under the leadership of the now disgraced former Mayor Doyle, who resisted for a long time the erection of the monument. We had a monument erected at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street. To that, on the site the execution took place. And on the 20th of January every year, we go there. That's right. To pay our respects. Not just to Tanaminawe and Morbohina, but to the countless unnamed people, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, who died in that struggle to protect their lands, their culture, their children, their way of life. Things we respect on Anzac Day, but things we ignore because of our manufactured reality, which is based on the collective amnesia. Things that we ignore. 235 years later. And that's why I say, as far as I'm concerned... This is a personal opinion. The 20th of January, 1842. So the 20th of January, every year, should be National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Freedom Fighters Day to publicly remember. Now, we set up that struggle, and it was a long struggle, and four of the people involved in that struggle are now dead on the original commemoration committee, including my late wife, Ellen Jose, and... uh, Julian Bill French. We set up that struggle for a very important reason. We set up that struggle to not only highlight 
this to the public, but to actually create a physical place where people could come to reflect on what happened and to reflect on what they could do to change the course of history, irrespective of the policies of successive Australian governments which have been based, which have been built on this manufactured reality, which has been built with alternative facts. Now, those of you who are old enough to remember the Howard regime, and I call it a regime, remember how Howard and his government promoted the idea that was current in the early 21st century that the massacres never occurred. There was a walk in the walk in the park. Colonisation was a walk in the park. That the Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders were a dying race. You remember all that garbage. And in two thousand and three, when Windshuttle was the primary, inter, uh, primary historical reference for Mr. Howard. In two thousand and three, my late wife Ellen Jose had a very successful exhibition called. A fact is a fact is a fact up yours, Windshuttle. And it's the same in 2021. A fact is a fact is a fact. Irrespective of the number of alternative facts you use to build a manufactured reality which is built in order to stop people thinking about what's occurring. So just don't think that this is something new. This is something which has been happening for thousands of years and in this country since the first day of colonisation in 1788. So if you're listening to this program, I'd like to invite you to join us on the 20th of January, midday, where the monument is, at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street in Melbourne, just across from the old Melbourne City Jail which was been built in 1842 and people were sitting on the top to get a vantage point of the hanging. It's quite interesting, the, you know, the hanging. Over a quarter of Melbourne's population turned up for the hanging. It was a bit of a carnival affair. But that's another story which I won't go into today. But uh, you can access a lot of this stuff on the, on the net these days. The research has been done. But this story is replicated in every little corner of this country and although we have monuments all over the country for men and women who died or were injured on behalf of the Australian government in wars overseas we have very few memorial sites to the original inhabitants we have more memorial sites to the mass murderers who coordinated these campaigns than we have to the memorial sites. For example, Governor Lachlan in New South Wales is responsible for the massacre of uh, local people. I mean, an activist in New South Wales is currently facing court for criminal damage because he pasted an A4 leaflet outlining Lachlan's proclamation. So if you think things have changed in 2021, they haven't changed. And it doesn't matter. They can incorporate your protests on uh, Australia Day. And they are incorporated. They're working very hard to ensure Australia Day continues to fall on the 26th of January. 
But if we had a national Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Freedom Fighters Day on the 20th of January around this country, with ceremonies around this country, with groups around this country, as we've seen around Wonthaggy in Victoria, you know, organising gatherings and commemorations for those people who paid the ultimate sacrifice, then maybe, then maybe we can break through the manufactured reality, we can throw out the so-called alternative facts and we can actually build build a reconciliation movement which is based on justice, not charity. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. In case you're listening to Melbourne Community Radio Station, the uh, first hour of the ceremony between 12 and 1 will be broadcast on Community Radio 3CR. Um, what happens with the ceremony? We have a guest speakers between 12 and 1. Uh, at 1 o'clock, we uh, usually walk across to the old Melbourne, to the... Um, the markets, Victoria Markets, to what we believe is the last resting place of Tanaminoi Morbohina. Now, we will be following all COVID-19 restrictions, which are current on the 20th of January. It is an outdoor gathering. Uh, we encourage you to come. Um, whether If you can't come, we encourage you to listen to the broadcast on Community Radio 3CR. And if you don't, can't listen to Community Radio 3CR, the program will be streaming live on 3CR .org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, let's move on. This is, do you know, remember when you, if you still watch TV or you go on social media, you know, when some insurance company or bank wins some award, you get lots of advertisements telling you, wow, we're great. We've won this award. Come and join us. Give us your money and we'll look after you. Well, you won't believe this. There was an international competition held recently among the world's banks and the Australian banks won a silver medal. But it's not a silver medal they want to crow about. It's not a silver medal they want to crow about. They came second in the United States of America in terms of fines. That's right. In terms of fines, which was levied against the Australian banks for unconscionable, illegal, questionable behaviour. Remember all those stories we heard for weeks and months and years about the banks screwing their customers? about people committing suicide because of the pressure which was placed on them. Well, guess what? Most of them were true. And guess what? The Australian banks came second in that race. Congratulations. What can I say? I'm a very proud Australian today. I'm very proud. So, don't forget, if you want to point the finger... Forget about Twitter, forget about Trump. Point the finger at the source of the disease, Murdoch and his empire, Fox News. The very people which created the swamp, which allowed alternative facts to come together, to be pushed together to create a manufactured reality. 
You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. We will be having all our podcasts in order in the next week or two, so keep downloading those podcasts. If you've been listening to this program on your local community radio station, You've been listening to it courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can leave pleasant messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You You can leave unpleasant messages, but I usually delete them. You can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public. You can go to the Pipsy page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Yes, we still need over 100 new members to register as a federal political party. Thank you for those who've registered in the last week or two. We still need many more new members. So you go to the website, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. If you're sick of being a spectator in the political cultural process in this country, if you're sick of having your mind rotted, by the uh, media platforms, both legacy and uh, new media, well, it's time to join public interests before corporate interests. That's right. You can go to my YouTube channel. Yes, I'm even, I've even done a cooking show. I don't know why, but that's the way it is. Maybe because I felt nice at the beginning of 2021. Uh, the YouTube channel is Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Well, it's actually not my YouTube channel. It's Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube, YouTube channel. And if all else fails... You can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. So if you don't have a printer to download an application form to join Pipsy, if you're not on the net, you've got no excuse, you can leave a message on 0439 395 489 or you can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to the Anarchist Media website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to a Facebook page, it's Public Housing Everybody's Business. Don't believe the propaganda that homelessness has disappeared and housing affordability has been resolved. We haven't even started that struggle. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Don't forget to listen in to the Tanaminawe and Mōbōhina broadcast of Community Radio 3CR. And if you can't listen to 3CR because you're somewhere else in this great land, courtesy of the Community Radio Network, and when I talk about great, I don't talk about good, I talk about large, okay? You can go to, uh, just listen at 12 o'clock, 3cr.org.au. Thank you, and all those who are coming to the Tanaminawe and Mōbōhina commemoration, please bring flowers. Please bring flowers. Thank you once again for listening to us on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscana. Listening to the Anarchist World next week for a program which is not based on alternative facts or manufactured reality. Listening next week. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.